Well, if you've listened to these podcasts, then you know that I've talked about the highs of free travel, the nomad life, many, many times. And there are lows, too. I usually don't want to talk about the lows, if at all. And I think it's fair to say that we give up a lot to do this. And, and many of us, when we start out, we don't even know why. We just feel that we need to. I don't know how to explain it. But we give up a lot to do this. And when we do, and I should say I, but I'll say we, when we're in the process of doing that, it almost doesn't matter why we chose Nomad Life. We just do. It's very interesting to me. And I've been re-examining a lot of that. I am in a little campground in Toole County, Utah, the Beehive State. And I will be in Utah until at least August 11th. And then after that, I'm, I'm free because I'll have all the work done in the truck, got the new tires, and, and all the reasons that I plan to come to Utah this summer anyway. And I made a plan this summer, and I'm following the plan, and sometimes it gets really hard to follow a plan, no matter how good the plan is. doesn't mean you have to, but I have, uh, I have um, often uh, thought, well, you know, it's a good plan. It's, uh, it just means you're going to have to wait more, or there's gonna, you're going to be a little frustrated, but you should just go ahead and stick with the plan in the, in the short term unless you come up with some, something better. And I haven't been able to come up with something better. So we're going to talk about all this stuff. In podcast 1065, Sacrifice and Nomad Life, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Well, I mentioned in a previous podcast that I had done my taxes, and I realized how truly important, especially in 2021, uh, all through the quarters, we're just finishing some of the some of the work from 2021 when it comes to taxes how valuable the people who contribute to the Bob Davis podcast because they believe in the mission and what I'm doing and uh, and they contribute money they send me money and I uh, it's something I deeply appreciate and I don't talk a lot about it and what I usually do is just wait until there's a string of people and I read everybody's name off and so if you want to make a contribution to the Bob Davis podcast it's deeply appreciated right now you simply go to the bobdavispodcast.com look for the picture of mobile podcast command just under that there is an oval donate button that takes you to paypal and you can make a donation of any amount that you want and it is appreciated five dollars or five hundred dollars <laughs> whatever you want to contribute if you want to contribute to the effort if you want to help the other thing you can do is subscribe to the bob davis podcast on itunes and that's it thanks again so some thought starters on why I don't talk about the lows. And I'll preface this by saying that uh, I think that one of the great things about nomad life is the lessons that you learn are the same lessons you learn in regular life. They're just in a little higher relief. That's the best way to describe it. Think of you know a relief map versus uh, a one-dimensional map on paper. When you see how high the mountains are because you can feel them, the, the mistakes come up and bite you in the ass right away. And you have to think, you have to plan, you have to stay focused. There's a whole bunch of things like that that I think are really positive for me because they're palpable uh, lessons that... I, I sometimes say, geez, do I have to keep learning? <laughs> do I have to keep learning these lessons? 
even in life, and apparently we do. Sometimes we forget, and I, I've talked about the law of fast forgetting and all of those things. But the lows I don't talk about because when I talk about lows, and I mean getting, I don't get depressed, but you, do, you can have bad days. You can have good days and bad days. And a bad day often looks like a mechanical issue or kind of just not feeling, feeling it that day or feeling like you're not sure where you want to go or what you want to do or you're not getting a juice from the nomad experience or you're stuck in a Walmart parking lot and it's not happening or, or whatever. And I wonder whether these are really lows or whether they're just A, being bored or being sick literally being physically, you know, just run down, or frustrated, or hungry, or tired. Have I exhausted myself by thinking too much? I think too much. <laughs> I think I think too much. And one of the things I think a lot about and watch very carefully is the markets. As you know, I've been watching the markets like a hawk. Don't worry, I'm not going to get into a big discussion about uh, markets. But I have been watching the markets with uh, special attention being paid to energy and energy prices and things of that nature. And because of high diesel, I had to adjust my travel plan significantly way back in the fall, basically November, December, to, uh, to accommodate the fact that first I was pissed off and I said, I'm just not going to pay that much for fuel. So I stopped traveling. And then... Uh, the great thing about the whole winter experience was I was able to save a lot of money and I started to think, okay, so how much longer can this go on? I think I'm going to take a risk and do some summer travel. And, you know, prices have started to come down a little bit and, and hopefully we'll continue this and we'll talk about that, you know, going forward in the future. But ultimately it meant longer stays, shorter transits. So shorter trips, sometimes 50 or 60 miles, sometimes 20 miles a day and then sitting for three or four days. Because what that does is it spreads out the uh, investment in fuel over a month or two months instead of having to do that every other day when you're on the road and you're, and you're doing what I was doing before, which is uh, traveling at a high rate where I would drive literally across the country. So for example, last August at this time, I was in Vermont. I had been in Quartzsite, obviously. Yeah, I had been in Quartzsite drove up to Minnesota, went through Montana, North and South Dakota, and Minnesota, and then went to the lake up in Minnesota where, you know, my, part of my family is. And, and uh, then my nephew told me he wanted to go to Vermont, so I said, I'll meet you out there. And I drove across Vermont, and I did the Industrial Revolution tour in, res, in reverse, which is something you just have to listen to those podcasts to understand what I'm talking about. And then... After uh, I went to Maine and uh, Rhode Island and Vermont and New England, uh, not New England, uh, <laughs> New Hampshire. I always want to call it New England. It's New Hampshire. And some other states I had never been to, that kind of completed. That was an interesting thing because that kind of completed uh, my uh, visiting of all the lower 48 states. Often more than once and often crisscrossing states like Indiana or Iowa you know, uh, Kansas and, uh, and Texas more than once. So then I came out to Quartzsite in the fall. That marked the one-year anniversary of being on the road permanently for the Bob Davis podcast. And that's when fuel prices 
really started to dig in and I had to change what I was doing. I had to change the way I was doing. And I was pretty pissed off about that because I like to cruise and drive. Well, the good news is it saved the truck. It uh, has given me a chance to do work on the truck, get certain things done, and, and it's changed the way I think about what I do a little bit. And I, the plan was we're going to OODA loop this. And, uh, and actually, I had to say that it worked pretty well. As a result, my summer travel, after an expensive false start with uh, the fuel leak and all that, has been pretty great. First of all, got to see friends and enjoy some amazing scenery in Colorado. The vibe in Utah is a little different from the vibe in Colorado. Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure what I think of Utah. And I think I'll probably think about it and do something about it later. So yeah, here in Utah, the Beehive State to get all-terrain tires, that is now done. And then we're going to go up to Gillette Diesel in Salt Lake on August 11th and... Uh, basically rebuild the turbo because it has a hole in it and take a look at the engine long term and start to get some ideas about what I need to do to finish out this vehicle so that uh, it's going to be uh, you know workable for the long-term future if this is the truck that I'm going to be left with and I have to say also you know when I started out this is another thing that you think and I, I do want to talk about sacrifice but but uh, I don't think of this as a sacrifice anymore I used to think before I left I thought I'm not leaving in that truck that is not I'm not taking that ambulance and yet I did I thought I was going to be in some big RV and uh, you know what has happened is that uh, it ha I have seen confirmation after confirmation from old hands camp hosts and, and thank you guys all of you and older guys uh, in the campgrounds that I've met that have said boy don't get rid of that because number one you've got a lot of power and number two it'll go just about anywhere and number three they're just uh, you know so durable and it's so funny because I used to have rig envy where I would see a real nice class. I still love the buses, you know, uh, especially the, the, the road buses that have been redone, the Greyhounds and so forth. Those things are amazing to me. But uh, this doesn't require as much maintenance as that. And, you know, you can pretty much take the mobile podcast command unit just about anywhere, and people love it. So one of the things that's happened is that I've become very enamored of this vehicle, and uh, I'm really glad that I have it, which is kind of cool. So I, that's kind of a, an aside, but that is why I'm going to to the uh, the legendary Gillette Diesel in Salt Lake, because they're going to take a look at this thing and tell me, well, you know, this is what you got to deal with. This is what you're going to have to fix. And the fuel thing allowed me to get a mechanic close to Quartzsite, which is in Parker, who over time next winter can kind of start working on uh, on the things that I need to do and uh, you know depending on how much of it there is I need a new bumper there's a bunch of stuff which uh, have to be taken care of so I'm real happy that that I had the fuel line link because that uh, ended up the fuel line leak because that ended up giving me an opportunity to find a really good mechanic uh, down in Arizona where I'm basically going to spend all winter so that's what's going on and unfortunately because I got to the state I came in and I thought well I'll just be able to call Gillette and get an appointment and what I'll do is I'll go there first get that done in the very end of July then I'll go and get tires or maybe I can get the tires at Gillette they can hook me up with some generals 
you know, and we'll get it all done in one shot and then I'm on my way. Well, no, because they're booked out, you know, two weeks, three weeks in advance. So my appointment is August 11th, which gives me a lot of time to kill. And that is not a good thing. <laughs> that is not a good thing for Bob Davis. A lot of time to kill is not a good thing for me. First, you know, I'm amazed because... Um, well, I'm amazed because I got sick. And we're going to talk about that in the second half along with some other stuff. And we will get to sacrifice at some point in this podcast. Well, travel and fuel often make me think of 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station in South Minneapolis at 36th Street South and Lindale Avenue. So the whole thing about 36 Lynn is that an independent refueling station gets a little bit better price on fuel. They can pass that on to the consumer. Now, we all realize that fuel prices are elevated right now. I could go through a whole soliloquy about how, you know, it's probably not going to last. We're seeing uh, Brent and we're seeing West Texas start to roll over a little bit. We'll see if that holds. It's uh, all tied up in the Federal Reserve and uh, inflation and those things which do not dovetail very well with the coolness of 36 Lynn. 36 Lynn is a great store. They have great locally sourced products in the store, and now they have merch. And I've mentioned this a couple times, lighters and hats and cool stuff like that. And they're just crazy. This is why I love them. 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station in South Minneapolis in the Lynn Lake neighborhood. If you get the chance, you need some coffee, stop by and say hello. And you could tell them that I sent you. Uh, they may throw you out of the store <laughs> and you might get a hat or a free cup of coffee. <laughs> well, I said I would talk about getting sick um, prior in a prior podcast. So I guess it was in the Bonneville Salt Flats podcast. But I got pretty sick. Aside from the fact that I fell on my shoulder, you know, dislocated my shoulder in Colorado, that's been a process because it's been very painful and I've had to do these stupid exercises and it's getting better. But then, I, what I'm amazed about is, toward the end of July, I was high as a kite. I felt great. When I rolled in here, I had that Colorado Rocky Mountain high. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I just was in such a good mood. And somewhere between the end of July and the beginning of August, I just hit a wall. I don't know, I don't know what happened. But the first thing that happened was I... Uh, I noticed that um, I had shortness of breath, I was very tired, I had a headache, and all the things that you uh, associate with certain communicable diseases uh, out there these days, which I will, I refuse to mention because I think there's just so many people getting worked up about this stuff. And uh, I had a pretty bad sore throat, and I thought, well, I really don't want to go to the doctor, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you know lay up in the Love's parking lot or the Walmart or something like that, and just try to get over this. And I did. I managed to uh, sleep a lot. You can still tell that there's just a little bit of um, you know congestion, but I'm feeling a lot better. At one point, it was so bad that I, my it hurt to have anything touch my skin. It was that bad. So here I am in the truck. Basically, um, you know, dealing with whatever else everyone else is dealing with uh, by myself in a Walmart parking lot. 
And it kind of laid me low. It was really interesting because getting sick, it caused me, and I think it was just because there were so many days in the truck sleeping and thinking too much. I couldn't even... It, it required everything I had to go into the Walmart to get something to eat. And I really didn't want to eat anyway. So I didn't eat very much. And I just kind of tried to sleep and and take vitamin C and get over whatever else was going on. And I, I looked up the flu in Utah and there's virtually no flu. So I don't think it was that. But um, I, that was the beginning of my August and the, and the end of my... That was the early couple of days of August, first couple of days of August, and the last few days of July was basically hitting the wall and feeling that either A, I just had worn myself out or I had some other issue going on. And then during that high period, I was trying to arrange to have friends visit and that didn't work out. And then when I went to go get the tires, well, you know, nothing, you know, comes on time these days. So add to it all, just waiting and waiting and waiting and calling and being in Provo, sick and frustrated, spending time in the Walmart parking lots and truck stops because I didn't want to pay for camping if I wasn't going to be able to get up and even make a fire. And I'll tell you something, that has changed too. Uh, I am never one, I'm never one to really judge, like I don't judge people. I mean, I judge people, but I, I don't, out here I try to avoid saying, well, there's that, that's obviously a bad situation or whatever. And I think you do have to have discernment because you don't want to get in the middle of something uh, if it's a bad vibe or whatever. But generally speaking, I don't get a good vibe these days from uh, every truck stop and every Walmart parking lot. First of all, you have to pick and choose the Walmarts because the Walmarts don't allow people to stay overnight in some places. Some do, some don't. But there are fewer RVs and nomads where you can say, oh, there's my people over there, and you can you can go over there, and sometimes you can commune. Now, in the Cracker Barrel <laughs> parking lot... Sometimes there are those people. I found um, going to the Cracker Barrel uh, was a pretty good deal. But, you know, you don't want to spend three days in a Cracker Barrel parking lot. You know, even if you leave during the day. It's just not the greatest feeling. Fewer RVs and nomads. Not as many schoolies. And I see a lot more desperate people. I was in Provo. And I get the feeling that LDS has a lot more services for people who are in trouble than maybe we are aware of. I, I don't, I'm not going to say why, I just have that impression. And there are a lot of people in the Walmart parking lots, I'm not going to say where in Utah, who are, and you're starting to see more and more of this, who are really desperate there's uh, they're really having a hard time I was in a Walmart and I've never seen this in a Walmart I know it's happened before but I I have I have never seen it and never expected to see it in Utah Utah's pretty prosperous in general that I, I mean I don't see a lot of poverty in um, Utah around Salt Lake Provo places like that I know it exists but in general I see people who are busy as beehivers right uh, and uh, they all seem to be pretty, uh, pretty, uh, uh, what's the word? Prosperous. But I saw this guy, I was coming out of the Walmart, 
and there was a guy, obviously a homeless guy, um, standing in the doorway. He wouldn't come in. He wouldn't come into the store because he knew he couldn't do that. And he was crying, pleading with someone to help him. And some guy went over and talked to him, so I just let it go. Uh, I figured, you know, if some guy's going to go over and talk to him, I'm just going to let this go. I've never seen that. So my question is, are we going to start seeing more and more of this desperation? I saw some people in the Walmart parking lot that I thought was a very dangerous situation. It was a, um, an older woman, a younger woman, and a kid, a girl, who was just wandering around the parking lot, up and down. And I noticed they were there the first day, and I realized that they just stay there. And they don't even leave. Like, during the day, they, don't, they just stay there. And it's hot here, you know, so some of the some of the days they were out on the grass. And so I ended up going across the, the parking lot because I, I kind of didn't want to deal with it because it was it was a weird situation. Let's just put it that way. It didn't the vibe did not feel real good. So there's that this death. There's there. The, and the question I have is, are we going to start seeing more desperate people? out there. Now, obviously, there was none of that at Bonneville because people come out to Bonneville to have a good time. They've got resources. Now, I've got a good plan. My plan for getting my truck checked out and everything else is a good plan. I'm going to stick to the plan. You know, uh, I have a tendency to, once I make a plan, I'll, I'll just stay with it and I will not give up. But I've been thinking in these moments of uh, reflection, I've been thinking about what I gave up to do this. You know, going through the process every time someone says, how long are you going to do this? So we're coming up on two years. Kind of took me by surprise. Obviously, it's August. You know, my two-year anniversary is October 31st. So Halloween is my two-year anniversary. And I'll just tell you, I don't even feel that I've scratched the surface yet in terms of what this experience is all about. Being able to go anywhere you want, whenever you want. And the trials and tribulations of mechanicals or uh, having to stay in a Walmart parking lot or even having to buy your food from Walmart because that's the easiest or having to go to local supermarkets or figure out where you're going to stay so you can cook your steak. Things like that are everyday experiences and they don't really get me down because they're part of the challenge there are things about my everyday life that i miss i miss my daily yoga i miss my sushi with friends uh i don't miss paying rent and lights and heat and um, by the way no matter how uh much food and fuel increase for the time being and camping it will never equal the cost that it would be if I was still paying rent or a house payment and buying uh, groceries, uh, you know, at the Lunds or the Whole Foods or uh, paying light and heat for the place that I was living. So expenses are not the issue. And whenever you stop traveling, you start saving money because you're not spending and spending and spending. I miss also when I'm traveling and I'm traveling now alone and I'm traveling uh, without traveling with anyone and sometimes traveling with people can be a little irritating but i miss my uh, nomad friends who are spread out all over the country right now people up in iowa and ohio and people in canada and people in california you know people in you in fact i'm going to visit my friend alicia in utah on the way down you know i miss my my nomad friends because they're the only people 
that understand what I'm talking about. It's so interesting to me because people back in the world cannot grasp this. Getting back to this this whole issue of, uh, uh, you know, sort of being, I'm not homesick, but there are those things that you give up. The old life is gone. And one wonders, well, could I get the old life back? And if I did, would I want my old life back? And I have to say no. I have to say I, I did this for a reason. I rejected a certain lifestyle for a reason. And what happens to you when you're traveling and you're doing your summer travel and you're seeing old friends or house sitting? It messes with your nomad mind. It's good. It's wonderful to do, to have the opportunity to sleep in a bed or to work, you know, make your dinner in a kitchen or have dinner out at a restaurant or whatever. But what happens is you start thinking, boy, this is kind of nice. Did I make the right decision? Maybe I should get a job and go back to living the, you know, the, the wonderful life. And then I have to go through the, the whole thinking process again. And I have to stop myself and say, just, just, just a second, just a second here. Before you run off on a flight of fancy and start feeling sorry for yourself, why did you do this? And let's go back to, you didn't have to do this. This isn't something that was forced on you. You could have continued, but why didn't you? And the answer was, I left home. And I burned the bridge behind me, as we have often discussed. I got rid of everything. I don't even have a storage area in Minnesota. My storage area is in uh, uh, Virginia, and it has mostly my mom's stuff in it. So I don't really have a storage area for my stuff. I gave everything away. I got rid of everything. I burned everything. You know, I, uh, I sold it. Well, I didn't sell anything. I just gave it away <laughs> or paid people to take it away. So when you start feeling sorry for yourself or you start thinking, boy, why am I doing this? Or, or you end up in a Walmart parking lot with unsavory characters and you're thinking, you know, I'm kind of, this isn't really what I was thinking when I, <laughs> and this is kind of, yes, it's interesting. And most of the time my experience meeting those people is that uh, they are wonderful and you just, they, they're, they offset you a little bit, put you off a little bit for whatever reason, but they're great. And despite what I gave up, there's something about doing this now, at this time, that deeply resonates with me. And I'm not even sure the answer to get back to people who say, well, how long are you going to keep doing this? Well, I don't know, because I still feel that I've only scratched the surface. And in terms of learning, learning about the country, learning about people by observing, uh, it's there's really something to this. This is a different timeline out here. And every now and then you have to remind yourself, this is true. This is a different timeline. For example, seeing people doing what they do back in the world is as foreign to us, the nomad, as you seeing us in all of our schoolies, RVs, and van glory. We don't operate on the it's Saturday or it's Monday and I have to do this timeline. Things for us that are important are, oh, I got to do my laundry today. I don't do my laundry on a specific day. I do my laundry when I need to. So there's no timeline to it. You just decide this is the day I'm going to get this done. Is this a good life? Well, that's a good question. 
people might say, hey, if you don't sleep in a bed, you got at a certain age, you can't keep living like this. This is not healthy. But I'm not I don't think it's unhealthy. For me, so far, it has been a good life. The fresh air, the isolation, especially during the pandemic. Um, the ability to think things through and to spread the timelines out and to examine your thoughts and examine the thoughts of others and to share those thoughts with people who understand them. All that stuff is unique to this experience. And so while there's a tremendous sacrifice in terms of giving up an old life, and a lot of people, if they have the resources, you know, they travel with their RV, but they they still have their home back and wherever. And they go and they visit their home back and wherever. They might even stay six months and then head back out. I don't do that. I don't have that. I don't have the luxury of being able to go, oh, I'm going to go visit da-da-da-da-do. I, I, I kind of have to find a place of my own. And I'm, you know, I don't mean property. I mean a place where I go. And I'm doing that. And, and, and that's also different. But I would say, I think it is a good life. I think it's a healthy life. I think sitting in front of the campfire and uh, being in the fresh air and all those things, even if you're sick, you know, uh, with whatever ails all of us these days. And finally, when I made the decision to do this, the internal voice said, go, just go, go. And it was loud and powerful and wouldn't be denied. You go. You must go. Go. And I knew it was the right thing to do. So one of the ways that you know when there's a right thing that you're doing is the path opens up and it's clear. You have everything you need. You have what is required. And you know this is what I'm supposed to do. Now, that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes the signals are hard to read. But just like that, what I hear now is this. And it's a, not necessarily as strong as go, just go, but it's a faint and sure voice that says, why don't you just push on and see what is ahead for you? See what we have prepared for you next. And that's part of what drives me. And that's relatively new. Why don't you just keep pushing and push through and see what we have prepared for you and stop you know, questioning everything and stop feeling sorry for yourself. And we all reach those points. And I think that's a great life lesson. Why don't you just push on through and see what we have prepared for you? So we're going to push on and we're going to see what is ahead. And that's the best reason to continue to do this as we work our way towards one year and two years of nomad travel. It's the height of summer. Last year I was in Vermont at this time. This year I'm in the beehive state of Utah. And we'll see what happens after this. Thanks for listening to podcast 1065, Sacrifice and the Nomad. (sighs) 